Good afternoon, people. And we're back for, what is this, episode 13. Um, we finished up Genesis yesterday, and so I uh, hope you uh, celebrated as we finished the first book of the Pentateuch. For those that don't know, the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible, and that would be Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so we're marching through that, and... Um, uh, legend or lore or fact or history or whatever uh, has it that Moses was the author of these first five books. And so <clears throat> as we uh, continue on into Exodus, uh, we take note that Joseph has died in the last chapter of uh, Genesis. And then uh, so we're moving on. And so we fast forward roughly about 300 years or so. Uh, into the uh, into our timing here into Exodus and we see that in uh, Exodus chapter 1 verse 6 or verse 8 I'm sorry a new king who did not know about Joseph uh, came to power in Egypt he said to his people look the Israelite people are more numerous and powerful than we are verse 10 come let's deal shrewdly with them otherwise they will multiply further and when war breaks out they will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. Verse 11. So the Egyptians assigned taskmasters over the Israelites to oppress them and uh, to oppress them with forced labor. And so we can see here our fear is operating, right? And so as we talk about the numbers, uh, roughly at this at this point in time, estimates are around 600,000 able-bodied men. And so that's just the men. And you have wives and children and all that. And so you can probably multiply that by three or four. And so maybe we're approaching a couple million people as far as um, uh, being alive in this point in time. And so Pharaoh sees this and he says, you know, <laughs> I think this is too much for us to handle in case they get on our bad side. And so we're going to oppress them. And so that's what they start doing. And then in verse 12, it says, but the more they oppress them, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread, to dread the Israelites. And so they oppressed them. And what did they do? They had more babies. They oppressed them more and they had more babies. And people should know. I mean, if you, if you oppress people and give them nothing to do, what are they going to do? And so that was the situation there. And so in verse 13, we say they worked the Israelites ruthlessly. And made their lives bitter with difficult labor in brick and mortar and all kinds of field work. They ruthlessly imposed all this work on them. And so they, they, they uh, added all this work to them, but they ruthlessly imposed it. You know, that means whippings, beatings, you know, whatever. And so um, that, that's where the phrase uh, working like a Hebrew slave comes from. You know, they, the, the Egyptians just ruthlessly oppressed the people. In verse 15. The king of Egypt said to his Hebrew, uh, to the Hebrew midwives, the first whose name was Sifra and the second whose name was Pua, uh, verse 16, when you help the um, Hebrew women give birth, observe them as they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him. But if it's a daughter, she may live. In verse 17, the midwives, however, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. They let they let the boys live. And so here's an important principle here. The king is saying something. Pharaoh is saying something. Okay, so that's the civil law. 
This is what Pharaoh is telling them you have to do. We're talking about the civil law. But the Hebrew, uh, Hebrew midwives, they disobeyed. In other words, they involved themselves in civil disobedience because it would have run contrary to the superior law of God. And so we are to be obedient to our civil authorities and whatnot, unless what they're calling for is a violation of the law of God. Then we are incumbent to be uh, 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 obedient to the law of God, not to the law of man. And so only when they are contrary are we to do that. Now, sometimes uh, people think things are contrary, but it's really a preference. They just don't want to do this, what the civil authorities say. There is no conflict with the Lord, but they feel like, okay, this doesn't seem right, so I, want to, I don't want to do it. If it's not, the only measure that we can use, the only ruler, the only scale that we can use is what does God say? And whatever God says, that is what we are to do. If God doesn't have a prohibition against what the civil authorities are asking for, then we are to be obedient to the law. And so, but we see here the midwives, they knew that killing these uh, baby boys wasn't right. And so in verse 18, it says, so the king uh, of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this and let the boys live? Verse 19, the midwives said to Pharaoh, the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women for they are vigorous and they give birth before the midwife can get to them. <laughs> and so they lied. <laughs> they just lied. They said, we can't get there fast enough because our women are so vigorous, they just give birth just quickly. So we can't get to them to abort these babies and kill these babies. And so they lied. But again, they were obeying the will of the Lord. And so in verse 20, so God was good to the midwives and the people multiplied and became very numerous. Since the midwives, since the midwives feared God, he gave them families. And so we see that the midwives obeyed the law of God. They lied in order to, 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 to not kill um, or to not get blamed by Pharaoh for not killing the boys. And what happened? God blessed them. God, God gave them families, you know, and, and, um, and so that they could have their own families and just not watch after other people's children and give birth to other women. In verse 22, Pharaoh then commanded all his people, you must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile, but let every daughter live. So then it wasn't working with the midwives. So then Pharaoh says, okay, he's telling his people, you know, you got to kill these boys. Throw every son born to a Hebrew into the Nile, drown them, get rid of them. So we move into verse, excuse me, into chapter two. Verse one, now a man from the family of Levi married a, Le a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. But when she could no longer hide him, you know, she gave birth to the son and she knew that the son was supposed to be killed. So she hit him. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch. So she got a basket, coated it so it wouldn't leak. And then she put the baby in. The, she put the child in there and set it in the bushes among the banks or on the banks of the Nile. And then she sent her daughter to watch over the basket to see what might happen. You know, and so in verse five, Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe in the Nile while her servant girls walked along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds, sent her slave girl, took it, opened it and saw the child. So she finds the basket. She finds the baby, opens it and and she just falls in love with the baby. Then his sister, who was watching all of this happen, said to Pharaoh's daughter, uh, 
She came up to Pharaoh's daughter. Should I go call a Hebrew woman who is nursing to nurse the boy for you? And so she can see that Pharaoh's daughter wants the baby, wants to keep the baby. So she approaches her and say, well, should I go find a Hebrew woman who's nursing so that he can get fed? In verse 8, go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. Uh, so the girl went away, called the boy's mother. She said, called the boy's mother. That's also her mother because it's his brother anyway. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse him for me, and I will pay you wages. <laughs> so the baby's brother goes and gets her mother, brings her mother to Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter says, you know, can you nurse this child for me, and I'll pay you. She doesn't realize that's his mother. That's his real mother. And so, so the woman took the boy and nursed him in verse 10. Then the child grew older. She brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. And so when Moses got, when the baby got bigger, his mother took him to Pharaoh's daughter. And can you imagine what she may have been going through emotionally, taking her baby to some other woman and essentially giving her son to this woman because she knew that it was in his best interest. <clears throat> in verse 11. Years later, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people and observed the la their labor force. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his people. Looking all around, seeing no one, he struck the Egyptian dead and hit him in the sand. And so Moses sees what's going on. He looks around, makes sure nobody's watching. And then he kills this Egyptian. Now, I don't know if they got in a fight and if he intended to kill him or if it was a mistake or whatever, but he kills this Egyptian and then he hides him in the sand. In verse 13, the next day when he went out, he saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked, um, he asked the one in the wrong. So two Hebrews were fighting. One was wrong. So he asked the one in the wrong. Uh, where am I? Ah. Why are you attacking your neighbor? You know, why, why are you fighting? You know, we're brothers. Why are you fighting? In verse 14, who made you the commander and judge over us? The man replied, are you planning to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? In other words, we saw what you did, bruh. We saw what you did, you know? So you planning to do the same thing to us? You know, and then it says, then Moses became afraid and thought, what I did is certainly known, because he thought that what he did, he did in secrecy. He thought nobody saw it. He thought he could get away with it, but he couldn't, because if they knew, he knew that other people knew. In verse 15, when Pharaoh heard about this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. And so Moses became afraid, and he just, he took off. He said, I'm out of here. You know, because I don't know what they're going to do to me. And and now, now keep in mind, Pharaoh wants to kill him, but he's also Pharaoh's son because uh, Pharaoh's daughter is Moses's um, mother. I should say he's also Pharaoh's grandson. OK. And so he said, well, no, we can't have this. I'm off him. And so um, he went to the land of Midian and then the. Uh, 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 the guy had uh, seven daughters, and, and, and so Moses is chilling, and so they're going to, to get some water for them and their animals. And then some shepherds, in verse 17, some shepherds arrived and drove them away. But Moses came to their rescue and watered their flock. And so some shepherds came. I don't know if they were trying to hit on them 
or I don't know if they were abusing them, verbally abusing them, or, or just trying to get them to, to go away or so that they could get to the well and the water. I don't know. But whatever, Moses saw this, and he came to their rescue, and he drove them away and uh, so they could get watered in their flocks. And then, so then it went back, it took Moses back to, uh, to where they lived and to their father. And I think his father's name is what, Raul? I think his name is. Yeah, his father's name is Raul. And then, um, <clears throat> and so in verse 21, it says, Moses agreed to stay uh, with the man. So he agreed to stay with their family. Um, and he gave his daughter, Zipporah, to Moses in marriage. And so Moses saves them at the well. They take him back to their homestead and whatnot. And, and the old man is, is appreciative, so appreciative. He says, here, take my daughter, get married. So he got married. Verse 23, after a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned because of their difficult labor, and they cried out, and they cried for help uh, because of the difficult labor ascended to God. So they cried out to God, Lord, this is going, this is going south. You know, this is going even further south. We're just getting abused. And in verse 24, and God heard their groaning. And so it's a lesson here. It's also a lesson about perseverance. But when we have issues, we have to cry out. We have to get desperate before the Lord. This isn't a time to be cool. This isn't a time for pride. This isn't a time for any of that. When things are going south, we have to cry out to the Lord. And we have to be desperate. We have to be sincere in our desperation, you know, because you know, God, you know, God is, is like us, you know, insofar as we're, the word says we're made in his image and we want the best for our kids. And if our kids are crying out to us about something going wrong, some injustice or whatever, you know, aren't we going to do everything in our power in order to address their need? Well, why would we think God would do anything less than that? And so we see here that the, the, Israel, the Israelites are calling out to the Lord, the Lord uh, their, their voices and their cries ascend to heaven, and God hears them. And so what does he do about it? Let's see. And so we'll get into this tomorrow in uh, chapter 3 of Exodus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this presence in this time with these people. May they be blessed in your name. Amen. See you tomorrow.